What's going on, y'all? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day soon a true proletarian revolution. But until that day comes, we first got to learn what that even means. And while we're trying to learn what that means, we got to get with people who want to learn what it means. And not only, not only do we have to get with people who want to learn what it means, but we have to get with people who want to learn what it means, who want to learn how it's worked, how it's failed, how we can improve upon past attempts, and who when the moment strikes, will not falter, will not fall to opportunism, and will in fact see through the revolution to, as Lenin calls it, the logical conclusion. Thank you so much for tuning in. If this is your first time stopping by, I'd like to say thanks so much. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, If you like it or if you don't, feel free to go on to Apple Podcasts, rate and review the show. Let me know what you're thinking about, what criticisms you have. Uh, And if you have any questions, concerns, or anything that you want to comment on, feel free to reach out. You can hit me up on my social media at In Defense of Liberation on TikTok, Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And feel free to reach out to me by email, by emailing indefensiveliberation at gmail.com if you have any more long-form comments to make. But anyways, if this is you tuning back in, I'd like to say thank you so much even more because what that means is I am not wasting my time that there are people who want to learn more about this along with me, that there are people who want to act upon this along with me, allegedly, in Minecraft as a satire. Right, folks? Um, But anyways, yeah, no, for real. Um, If you're, you know, if you enjoyed the show and you're coming back, that's awesome. I'd love to hear why, because I do a lot of rambling. I do a lot of random shit. I talk about stuff that's just on my mind. I'm just driving, you know, and saying what's on the old noggin. So if there's anything else that I can do or that I can do better, I would love to know for real. Call me out if there's anything that I do that sucks or if I have a take that sucks. Call me out for that shit because not for nothing, Changed behavior normally does not come from the person whose behavior needs to change. Remember that for your toxic uh, family members and friends coming up in this holiday season, folks, because yes, it is indeed the holiday season. I'd like to take a moment off the top of the show to mention that in this holiday season, we celebrate many, many different ways but all of which, unfortunately, tend to perpetuate myths, lies, and genocidal truths. Uh, Or excuse me, I should say they seek to perpetuate myths and lies about genocidal truths. Um, And unfortunately, uh, the especially supposed thanksgiving Uh, as it's known, as uh, I, you know, spent a majority of my life celebrating because this country sucks ass. Uh, It was invented 
as a, you know, holiday celebration uh, and brought into kind of the public sphere twice in U.S. history, as was recently pointed out by, uh, oh, geez, what I believe I might be getting this wrong, but I want to say that it was, um, hold on, give me one minute, because I think it was by any means necessary, uh, where they were talking about, um, oh, geez, it's, it's Kyle T. Mays, I believe is, uh, their name. They wrote an Afro-Indigenous history of the United States, uh, and they were talking about the fact that uh, in 1769, the uh, kind of government wanted to bring tourism, really, to Plymouth Rock, and so they kind of developed the Thanksgiving story out of thin air in, like, small fragments of kind of tangential history. But in fact, the people who were present at the dinner were present because they had, you know, been, you know, surrounded by settlers. I believe if I remember correctly, guns had gone off and they had arrived expecting a battle because time and time again, the colonists and the settlers in the area had just been going around killing people. And, you know, I believe that uh, they were captured, if I remember correctly. And this is ultimately kind of the event that is manipulated and used to, uh, you know, say that there was a dinner, that they knew what was going on and that they were invited and that they had come, you know, to share in this feast. That that shit was invented. Uh, And then in 1869, I believe, uh, was the other year. Abraham Lincoln wanted to kind of reinvest in some American uh, essentialism and propaganda. So he and others at the time began yet again making a push for the national holiday, as uh, they called it. And we now hear it called Thanksgiving. Uh, But, you know, this is really where the holiday comes from. This holiday is based on the genocidal uh, massacre of indigenous peoples in the United States. It is a, you know, just like the U.S. education system as a whole, the uh, Thanksgiving holiday is a complete and utter uh, misinterpretation of historical events uh, for a, not just, you know, a, how do I want to say this? It's not so much to say that it's bad because it's consumerist. It's bad because it perpetuates white supremacy and continues the erasure of indigenous lives from the, uh, you know, resistance to colonization. I mean, since the very first day that white Europeans stepped foot in Central America, indigenous peoples were fighting back. Since the very first day, the very first time that people from Africa were stolen and enslaved from their homeland, they fought back. There was no interest in assimilation ever. There was no interest in slavery by the enslaved ever. There was no interest 
in the genocide of indigenous black and brown people by indigenous black and brown people. White people need to get some shit through their head. If you are feeling guilty or you feel that you are having to lose yourself, your history, and the things that you enjoy because of some culture war or some war on Thanksgiving, you have no idea what real war is. And it's coming. And you deserve it. So at the end of the day, I think that what we need to do in this holiday season is we really need to understand that now, right now, is a time where millions in this country and billions across the world are struggling against cold weather, against a lack of harvest, against a lack of housing. People are dying in the street. Human beings are dying in the street while millions are spent on feasts, on engorging ourselves, on consumerist products that offer no use whatsoever except for individualistic pleasure, of which we have no right to ask for. This is stolen land, and it was stolen by my ancestors. It was stolen by white people. It was stolen by murderers, rapists, colonists, and capitalists. It was stolen by surveyors. It was stolen by generals. It was stolen by politicians. It was stolen by supposedly Christian, moral, upstanding citizens this country is a sham and just like the pile of shit it stands on and ultimately has become and has always been the pile of shit that they try to deliver to justify the genocide enslavement and mass erasure of millions of people cannot and will not be forgotten by those who were meant to be forgotten. Please, for the love of fucking everything, whatever time, whatever energy, whatever extra money, food, Blankets, gloves, hats that you can spare. Find ways to help people. But do not help people as if they are helpless. Do not help people as if you are some savior coming down from on high to take care of the charitable case that is the poor, the overexploited, the unhoused, and the oppressed. That is not our goal. They are human beings, as are you and I. Every human being not only deserves, but physically requires food, water, shelter, and warmth, especially during 
the most harsh and brutal weather conditions, especially during this time of year. Speaking of this time of year, the RCMP picked the coldest and most oppressive time of year to invade and occupy unceded Wet'suwet'en territory in what we know as Canada. This territory was never given to anyone except for the Wet'suwet'en people. The indigenous peoples of this land have been the guiding force in Canada for what was known as reconciliation. But not too long ago, the matriarchs, the community leaders of this people group and of these people said, we're done with reconciliation. Because what reconciliation means when it is coming from an oppressor is consolidation and compromise. But we don't want compromise, they say. We don't want your reconciliation. We want sovereignty and we want you to get the fuck out. Land back is not just a slogan. Decolonization is not just a cool thing that you can do to quote-unquote your mind. As important as changing the perspectives and propaganda that has warped and brainwashed millions of people is not enough to save the people who have been meant to be forgotten from an invading army which time and time again relentlessly wars not for better conditions, not for true assimilation. Even if that were the case, indigenous peoples don't want assimilation. They don't want assimilation. They never did and they never will. They've been saying this and we haven't been listening and we haven't been helping and we haven't been doing anything we haven't been saying anything and we haven't been going anywhere to stand with these people against the these invading armies but they've been saying time and time again we will not allow you to continue erasing us we will not allow you to continue oppressing us. They are saying time and time again, we will not stand down. But will we stand up with them, my friends? Will we? The holiday season is brutal. And while many of us are getting to spend one of the very few times throughout the year 
with our family, our friends, and our loved ones. We cannot and we will not forget those who we will never see again. Those who have never been able to even get a moment's peace, to enjoy the community, the love, and the togetherness that these holidays are supposedly about. This time of year, suicide rates go up. This time of year, people are dying, frozen to death. This time of year comes every single year. Nothing is changing except things are getting worse. My friends, the reality is quite clear. The ruling class has no interest in the lives of the working and oppressed people. Why should they, right? It's become abundantly clear to all kinds of folks throughout Central and South America, throughout Africa, throughout Asia and Australia. There's even been millions in North America and in Europe who even before the pandemic recognized that this society is built for one group, the wealthy elites. This system benefits one group, the wealthy elites. It's quite clear to me, my friends, that there are many of us and few of them. It is also quite clear to me that the earth is dying. I am terrified. Many of us are terrified. But I am so hopeful and I am so filled with revolutionary hope by reading The Red Deal, by watching the indigenous peoples in Bolivia, in Chile, in Brazil, standing, not not kneeling, not looking at the ground, not falling, not faltering, but standing firm with conviction on principles that no morality dispelled by these massacring ruling empires could ever cover. No religion could ever mask the brutality that these peoples have had to face. And yet still today, all over the world, in Africa, in Asia, exploited and oppressed people are winning. For those of you who didn't know, the three farm bills, which a year ago were so contentious and for a moment even made their way into U.S. media circles. In India, where millions, 
millions, 250 million people descended upon Delhi and have stayed there for a year. 750 people have died because of this. But they have stood resolute. They have not faltered. And they have won. Temporarily. And only, only briefly, have these three farm bills been struck down. But as... uh, It was covered in... Let me try to find the podcast here real quick. It was covered by By Any Means Necessary in an episode titled... Let me try to find it. Farmers Win Against Modi Government. Where uh, Sean discussed with... uh, Oh, here. I don't want to do the disrespectful thing. Name Sean and not name the person. They were speaking with Dr. Radhika... Desai, uh, who came on to speak about the fact that this is a temporary moment of accomplishment. But as the Indian people know all too well, the simple vocal promise of Modi and the BJP means absolutely nothing. The farmers aren't going anywhere. And in fact, they are intensifying their agitation. They are proclaiming this as a win and showing one of the largest countries in the world, one of the most exploited countries in the world, one of the most unequal countries in the world, where people have time and time again shown us what true resistance looks like, shown us what true collectivity looks like in a way the West could never know. And yet we look down on them. We constantly speak of stereotypes about them. And we have so many awful things to say about that entire region of the world. And yet they are the ones leading the charge for some of the most oppressed people in the world, agricultural workers who feed us. They develop all of the food that you and I eat. No food is produced in America that we eat in America, unlike in countries like Nicaragua, unlike in countries like Cuba, unlike in countries like the Soviet Union or in China. And even these countries had so much import and exports that were foundational to their economy, and yet countries so small and so Overexploited like Nicaragua, they've been able to find the key. They've been able to come together and develop what we know as food sovereignty. That means all of the food that they eat, all of the tools, all of the seeds, all of the equipment, all of the pesticides, and all of the workers that they use to grow that food are all planned. They are all properly paid. They are all properly fed. They are all properly provided with what they need. Also in Nicaragua, because the United States empire has so much to say about it, and the Biden administration dares, dares after completely rat-fucking the entire world out of everything that it expected and wanted coming out of the Trump administration, 
the Biden administration, one of the most hypocritical human beings in U.S. government history. Let us not forget the 1994 crime bill. Let us not forget his anti-desegregation ideas. Let us not forget him being the sole reason why college students will be indebted for the rest of his life. Let us not forget him being in the U.S. government as multiple things like the Afghanistan war, like the Gulf war, like the invasion of countries like Nicaragua was happening. He and countless other senators, congresspeople, representatives, Supreme Court justices, presidents, cabinet members, and others have murdered millions of people, have completely lied to the United States people, completely lied to the people of the world about the supposed democracy that exists here in the world's largest empire. This imperialist farce that dared to come out of the mouth of these fucking murderers about Nicaragua is so untrue. Not only is it untrue, it is deadly. The sanctions that the Biden administration recently put on countries like Nicaragua, like Cuba, like Venezuela and Bolivia, they kill people. They don't take governments out. That's the plan. If you look into the CIA documentation about regime change, which Vijay Prashad covers quite well in his book, Washington Bullets, in which others like David Bloom have talked about, others uh, like many former U.S. military uh, soldiers and officers who have come out and spoken clearly and former CIA and FBI agents and informants who have spoken clearly about the true nature of this empire... All of this amounts to shit in the eyes of the Biden administration who came out and said that the sham elections, supposedly, in Nicaragua were absolutely uh, undemocratic and they have no reason to support them. So they sanction the country. And what happens? Poor people die. Because what does the U.S. empire do? Kills poor people. What does capitalism do? Create poor people. What does imperialism do? Kill them. Nicaragua is one of the poorest countries in South America, and yet it has almost one of, I believe it's in the top three best healthcare systems where everyone, everyone from neighboring countries all the way to Americans who, for example, fly to Cuba in Nicaragua and used to fly to the Soviet Union, sometimes fly to China to get healthcare procedures done that the U.S. would put them in the ground in debt for. But yet the U.S. empire stands here and says, no, these countries are authoritarian dictatorships. Acting like the United States is not the most authoritarian dictatorship of the rich powerful, the bourgeoisie. I want to finish real quick on a little point that I'm relearning. Talking about the state and revolution by V.I. Lenin. The man, the myth, the legend, that boy, the mushroom, my guy, Vladimir Ilyich Lenin. 
This man had a lot to say. Uh, you should go read some of it instead of listening to what uh, dickheads who have never read Lenin have to say about Lenin. Um, you don't got to take my word for it. Guess what? You can go fucking read it yourself. Anyways, Lenin in the State and Revolution, he's talking about all the ways in which the opportunists, the anarchists, the uh, faux socialists, the social democrats, the cadets, the Mensheviks, the socialist revolutionaries, the provisional government, the constituent assembly, all of these supposed power structures that were supposed to, after the February revolution, actually provide for the people. They overthrow czarism and they say they're going to come in and help people. And what happens? They completely bluff. Because at the end of the day, these opportunists were just that. And so therefore, when it came down to it, folks like Kerensky, they had absolutely no interest in helping the people. Not only didn't they, did they not have an interest, they didn't have a clue. And not only did they not have a clue, they didn't have backup. And that's why those motherfuckers are six feet down in the ground. Because they would have rather let millions of Russians starve then put their ego and their power aside to actually take control of the situation and fight for the Russian people. So in October, November, depending on the calendar you're looking at, we recently just celebrated the 104th anniversary of this revolution. Lenin and the Bolsheviks, as well as the Red Army and the millions of people in Petrograd, in St. Petersburg, and many of other places in the country stood up and they took power for themselves. Why? Because that's what Marxists understand is necessary. They understand that as history has developed, class society has taken form. Class society meaning a human developed society wherein one part of society known as the ruling or upper class exploits and oppresses for its own benefit the majority of people within that very same society which we know as the working or oppressed class the exploited The people who actually build society are taken advantage of. They are murdered en masse. They are allowed to starve. They are allowed to freeze to death. They are allowed to die of all kinds of asphyxiations, of pollution, of chemical burns, of workplace injuries. Trying to develop our industry, trying to grow our food, trying to grow and make our clothing developing our technology and producing everything that you and I consume and we don't want to give a damn about it we don't want to think about it we don't want to do nothing about it well it's time because what Lenin and the Bolsheviks proved and what Lenin showed clearly and theoretically in many of his works but especially most notably in State and Revolution the state as a tool has necessarily developed as a state for the organized oppression and the organized violence against one class for the benefit of the other. Capitalist society, as we know, has developed and has taken hold of the state by the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. 
the dictatorship of the big banks, the dictatorship of the militaries, the dictatorship of the ruling class of the United Nations, of the United States, of the owners and the rulers who control the means of production, who dominate the education, who own and control the military, who own and control the banks, who own and control the resources, the labor forces, the land, the markets, the water, the arms. Those people... They are a dictatorship. They are an authoritarian regime. The Biden administration is a dictatorship. The Trump administration is a dictatorship. The U.S. empire is a dictatorship. A dictatorship of the bourgeoisie, of the imperialists, of the murderers, of the class uh, of wealthy, powerful elites. And how do they get that wealth? How do they get that power? By exploiting and oppressing the majority, the millions, the many, the masses. So what do we want? What do we have to do? How do we solve this issue? Well, Lenin shows clearly that the state as a state. So everything we conceive as a state under a capitalist bourgeois system develops necessarily so as to mask and ultimately repress the antagonisms and contradictions between the ruling class and the working class. The state develops naturally in a bourgeois society so that the bourgeoisie can wield it in order to oppress the proletariat. But the state has existed in many forms. And the state has always been in class society up to this point, further developing under the guidance and dictatorship of the few over the many. What we have yet to be able to fully take hold of, to fully consolidate, to fully wield in the hands of the millions, of the billions, of the masses, of the many, has been the dictatorship of the proletariat. It took form in Russia. It's taken form in Cuba. It's taken form in Nicaragua. It's taken form in uh, Venezuela. It's taken form in Burkina Faso. It's taken form in Guinea. It's taken form in China. It's taken form in Vietnam. But let me just pull out real quick because I don't want to go through this without quoting directly from the book this one piece that I cannot stop thinking about. So let me try to find it right now. Uh, cue uh, fucking uh, Jeopardy noise that I'm definitely not going to edit in. Um but anyways, let's try to find it here. It's talking about the fact that at the end of the day, you're not going to be able to have this system as anything other than a developing form against the reactionary and repressive former ruling classes are coming back to try to kill us. We have to have something to stand against these people. We have to have something that can actually defend the proletariat against the masses, uh, or excuse me, that can defend the proletariat, that can defend the masses 
against their former oppressors. So actually, let me pause real quick to try to find that quote, because I don't want to keep you guys kind of on this random rambling that's probably going to not make sense in a second. I love that I take notes now. I had to just pull out my notes. So let me read a few quotes, actually, because these are quotes that I wrote down that I thought were important, and I'm going to leave us with this, and it's going to take us out of the episode. So thanks for listening, folks. Let's let's tune out with a few quotes from the boy Vladimir Ilyich. So on page 24 of my copy from Foreign Language Press, shout out Foreign Language Press of the State and Revolution, on my copy... On page 24, there is a quote that says, The state is a special organization of force. It is an organization of violence for the oppression of some class. Again on page 24, but going on to page 25, Lenin says, The toilers need a state only to suppress the resistance of the exploiters. And only the proletariat is in a position to direct this suppression, carry it out. For the proletariat is the only class that is consistently revolutionary. The only class that can unite all of the toilers and the exploited in the struggle against the bourgeoisie in completely displacing it. On page 25, he says the overthrow of the bourgeois rule can only be accomplished by the proletariat as the particular class whose economic conditions of existence prepare it for the task and provide it with the possibility in the power to perform it. On page 26, he says the overthrow of the bourgeoisie can be achieved only by the proletariat being transformed into the ruling class, capable of crushing the immediate and desperate resistance of the bourgeoisie and of organizing all the toiling and exploited masses for the new economic order. Again on page 26, he says, The proletariat needs state power. The centralized organization of force the organization of violence, both to crush the resistance of the exploiters and to lead the enormous mass of the population, the peasantry, the petty bourgeoisie, and the semi-proletarians in the work of organizing socialist economy. On page 30 to 31, he says, This course of events compels the revolution, quote, to concentrate all of its forces of destruction against the state power and to set itself the aim not of perfecting the state machine, but of smashing and destroying it. And the final quote that I will give us today, I have many more, but this is the one I was originally wanting to find. On page 35 of the State and Revolution, Lenin is quoted as saying, The forms of bourgeois states are extremely varied, but their essence is the same. All these states, whatever their form, in the final analysis are inevitably the dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. The transition from capitalism certainly 
cannot but yield a tremendous abundance and variety of political forms, but the essence will inevitably be the same. The dictatorship of the proletariat. Folks, we are capable. We are ready. Who told you we couldn't do this? Who told you we couldn't administrate a government? Who told you that the state is nothing that the proletariat should be messing with? Who told you that it is up to us to just completely fuck everybody, to have a revolution, and to just completely just cut everybody off, to just destroy everything that has been developed, to organize a society, to absolutely leave the millions of exploited and oppressed people to die. Because when we have our revolution, there will be reaction. And if we do not stand against that reaction, we will stand to let millions more of innocent people die for nothing other than the new tightening grip of the oppressors and the exploiters around their necks. Not only has capitalism developed the tools, the state machinery, the technology, and the production capacities and mode of production to provide for the billions of people on this earth, but it has also provided and developed the jobs, the careers, the planning, the economy, the sociology, the government uh, structures, the ideology, and the history to tell us, the very people who sit in the positions of control and administration ourselves, who should be having full say over what the production, distribution, and consumption looks like within the nation states and within the dictatorship and control of the people who are producing those things is the masses of people who have been given the skills, been given the jobs, been given the careers, been given the technical experience, been given the job training to be able to run this shit ourselves. They want to think just because they're rich and powerful, they're the only ones who can administrate a government. They're the only ones who can plan an economy. They're the only ones who completely take control of the agriculture of an entire world civilization. Nuh-uh. The masses of people grow the food. The masses of people eat the food. And the masses of people are going to be the ones to dictate who, why, what, when, and where the food is being produced how it's being consumed, and where that food is being distributed to. Because until we dedicate ourselves to a socialist economy, millions of people will continue to die for no reason other than the fact that this system has no interest in providing things for people except for profits. Thank you for listening, folks. Remember, stay healthy, stay safe, stay revolutionary, and stay organized. Let's get this shit going. Peace out, y'all.